The Nets stopped the Celtics, just like that logo, winning the series four games to one and sending the Celtics home in search of a new direction. We break down Brooklyn's domination in round one and give you an in-depth preview of their must-watch series against the Bucks. We'll also chat with a Nets superfan who made his return to Barclays Center Tuesday. It's Mr. Whammy. So throw on your lucky socks and buckle up for a Nets-Bucks playoff preview edition of Full Court on Flatbush from the New York Post. The next stop is Barclays Center. Full court on Flatbush. Flatbush Avenue. It's the podcast. A New York Post. BK. Most stars in the sky. The three. It's going. Brooklyn Nets. Take them to the sick baseline. Next win. Next win. So many stars. The crossover. We are back with a round two playoff preview edition of Full Court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host, Robert Lundberg, alongside my co-host, Nets legend, number 30, Kerry Kittles. You'll hear our producer, Jake Brown, during the show as well. Follow the crew on Twitter, at Robin Lundberg, at Carrie underscore Kittles 30, and at Jake Brown Radio. Do us a favor and give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts as well. We appreciate your support all season long as we keep rolling along the playoffs in the Nets' pursuit for their first NBA championship. We're excited to chat later in the pod with a Nets superfan that made his return to the arena last night. That would be... Bruce Resnick, better known as Mr. Whammy. But first, Kerry, when you're talking whammies, how about this? Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets have destroyed the Boston Celtics. Yeah, I mean, we knew it was coming, right? I think uh, once Jalen Brown went down that injury and the Nets, you know, matched up with the Celts, we knew that it was only a matter of time. We had it either going to sweep or, or five games at best. And and we saw that, right? The big three do what they do best, which is dominate. And it's, you know, not just about this series, though. And, and of course, I'm sure this could have happened no matter who they were playing. But it is sort of poetic in a way where we've talked about the big trade that the Nets lost once, you know, upon a time. You know, Kyrie Irving goes to Boston and leaves and things, you know, wouldn't have been the, the same if he had stayed. And then he steps on the logo the game before this. After the Nets win... You know, Danny Ainge is gone. Brad Stevens is transitioning to the front office. Just a, a lot of changes happening right after playing Brooklyn. It's stressful. I mean, the, the professional sports is stressful, and you got to perform. You got to get it done. Danny Ainge, obviously, is, is a Celtic for life. But, you know, you make those decisions to to move Pierce and Garnett for those draft picks. You better do a good job with them. Did a good job. Jaden Brown and, and, and Jason Tatum are great players. But all those other pieces need to really align to have a consistent, you know, championship caliber team. You're the Celtics. You like the Lakers. You're, you're every other team, right? But you want to win and put up those banners. You don't do that. It's a failure, and the pressure just mounts, and Danny Ainge just figured it was time to move on. You know, it's funny because I actually thought the Celtics represented themselves well, right? They were just at a, a talent deficit. Jason Tatum ha- had, you know, kind of prove-it series in, in some ways where he said, all right, I belong on the court with these guys. But what did you make of the whole logo stomp thing? I'm interested in your perspective as, as a former player. Like, of course it was disrespectful, right? It was, o- yeah. it was overtly disrespectful. 
That's what it was. That was the point. But it, it's hilarious to me that people will lose it over a cartoon leprechaun that people just ran over for two hours back and forth. If you just chanted F Kyrie for, for hours, can you really be mad that, that he stepped on Lucky? Yeah, it's very disrespectful because that logo represents more than just a cartoon character for those Celtic fans. It is who they are. It embodies that arena, that culture, and, and that fan base. And when you do that as an opposing player, and you go there, you do what, what Terrell Owens used to do when he played football, right? Disrespectful for going mid midfield and, and whatever he did back in the day. So, you know, you, you just have to take it in stride. I think Kyrie was really frustrated with uh, with uh, the fans there. You know, even prior to going to Boston, you know, he, his, his remarks were, you know, leading the way to what we saw, right? Fans reacting the way fans reacted and players doing what he did, which is, you know, uncalled for. But, but if they are chanting, you know, like, F you to you, can you then claim disrespect? That's, I guess, what I say. <laughs> is there, yeah. you, it goes both ways. It goes both ways, right? Your fans are used to being able to vent to players. Players don't really go back at fans. Usually they just kind of look at them, give them a stare, you know. But when you start having verbal altercations with fans, when fans are throwing water bottles at you, popcorn, things like that, as a player, what can you do? You know, you can go on midcourt and step on the logo or whatever and try to create some energy there. But it's, it's over with now. Uh, I'm glad that the Nets were able to take care of business. And, you know, keep guys from getting suspended, from going, you know, across in the lines. But, um, you know, looking forward to round two now. Well, Robin tweeted, like, you know, he stepped on the court all, all night. They were just dominating all night. So I don't get why it was such a, like, getting called racist names, getting bottles thrown at you versus stepping on a on a court. Like, it, it was, it got blown so out of proportion. And how about now the follow-up with this, Kerry, as we talk with Mr. Whammy, Jason Kidd, your backcourt candidate, is now a head coaching option for the Boston Celtics. He is in a leaderboard to be the next. Celtics coach, obviously way too early to say, but he is a candidate. Your thoughts on uh, Jason Kidd potentially returning to the sidelines, Gary? Yeah, you know, I, I think all all coaches, you know, especially former players, deserve second chances. This will be his third chance, possibly, leading a team. You know, he was Brooklyn, and then he went over to Milwaukee for, for some time. But yeah, I think he's learned from his experiences being a coach. I think everyone learns, right? You know, how to communicate better, how to use your staff better, you know, how to how to push certain buttons. I think, you know, now he's an assistant, and so he's learning with what's that like what that experience is like and so being able to relate to your staff being able to relate to players in such a way to get everyone to perform better you know hopefully he gets a chance now he's not getting to coach uh the big three in brooklyn and that's one of the reasons there's this vacancy here 85 points a game <laughs> unheard of unheard of is it the three best players who have ever been on the same team at the same time at the peak of their powers? I would say on the offensive side of the court, yes. You cross half court and you're on the offensive side of those three guys, yes, because they do it all. Kyrie and KD are two of the best one-on-one -on -one players, I mean, in a long time, right? I mean, they're in that category of the elite, elite players. Then you throw in Harden, who's right there, and the facilitating and how he sees the court makes everyone better, makes the game that much easier for KD, Kyrie, and others. I mean, I don't know, 85 points a game, I and mean, it's, it's unheard of. And, and that's the problem is that when you're facing the Nets, how are you going to slow them down? You can't when everyone's behind a three-point line. The court is that spaced open. Well, the way Kevin Durant just pulls up, I mean, all you all you can do is, is hope he misses. And 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 Kyrie Irving's skill level, I mean, we, we've gone over it. it. It's just ridiculous. It makes you make incomprehensible noises, you know, at the television or or in, in person. But to me, Kerry James Harden's the best player in the game right now. I, I really think he is the best player in the NBA. His ability to make everyone better 
out on the court, uh, his ability to, to put it down on, on the floor and take it to the cup, his ability on defense to, to man up strength-wise, get quick hands in, in the passing lanes, just from top to bottom, all aspects, step back threes to assists to, to what he's doing on D. I, I think at this moment, James Harden's the best player in the league. That is a very fair argument right now, and I would have to agree with all that he does. I mean, his passing alone is... I mean, you have to understand, being that big of a threat passing the ball, I mean, you can see it all the time. I mean, look at LeBron and, and how these teams load up against these great offensive players. You cannot do that against him because he draws contact all the time and puts the pressure on you. I mean, he's a triple threat all the time. I mean, he's, yeah, and defensively, he's a very underrated defender in how he gets his hands in there. He's, he's just a smart, intelligent player. I mean, what an asset the Nets were able to pick up. I mean, it's just an amazing thing for Sean Marks to, to actually get him to join up with these two superstars in their prime. I don't know how you stop him. Well, the, the team that's going to try and stop him is the Milwaukee Bucks, who I, I do believe present probably the biggest challenge that the Nets might see. And I think the, the NBA champion will be the winner of this series. You know, they have carry Giannis is almost made to go against this Brooklyn team. And if I'm looking for for weaknesses, uh, one of the things that I would point out is Blake Griffin was not impressive in in this series. Maybe that's having to switch out on Tatum. It might not be the same against Milwaukee. But they also missed Jeff Green, who to me is the one guy that allows them to play five out and also switch one through five. Yes, because you saw that. The the Celtics were hunting for Blake Griffin. Any opportunity they got, they were swinging the ball to whoever was guarding, whoever Blake Griffin was guarding, and they were attacking him. It was a ball screen and a switch. It was ISO move, and and they were really taking advantage of him. So, yes, they do miss Uncle Jeff. I miss Uncle Jeff and all the things that he does for the Nets. And you're exactly right. The, the, the Bucks definitely pose that threat with Giannis and others. For me, I, I just want to see how the Nets handle those role players. I think, you know, the, the, the game three when the Celtics won, it wasn't Tatum's 50 points. It was the other guys that were able to get off, you know, and shoot at such high percentages. It was, you know, Thompson killing them in the lane with offensive rebound putbacks. You know, you're giving up Marcus Smart and what he was doing and then uh, and others contributing. How you handle Chris Middleton, Nets. How do you handle Drew Holiday scoring and Brooke Lopez? If those guys are scoring at will and having their way, it's going to be a long series for sure. You know who's the name that people are going to be uh, mad about? Bryn Forbes. That's the guy. I, I bet you winds up hitting all these shots when you're, you're thinking you're loading up on Middleton or you're trying to stop those guys inside, and there he is free on the corner because a rotation is missing and he's canning a three. It's like Brian Scalabrini back in, in your day, Kerry, when they left Scal open in the corner. He was draining threes. Yeah, but it's also, too, you throw in Portis and what he can do with against Durant and with his physicality. Obviously, Tucker is going to be – he's going to be a nuisance for Durant on, on those ISO situations, getting underneath him and getting into his body. So, the, so the, yes, they have some fouls to give. They have some depth. They have a great perimeter defender, probably one of the best in the league in Holiday against Kyrie Irving. That's going to be a great match. You have two matchups, Kyrie against Holiday, and you have KD against Giannis. I mean, this is made for TV for all NBA fans. I have it going six or seven for sure. This is not a five-game series. This is a six, seven-game series, and I think home court will play in the Nets' favor. Well, they've got the, the first two games at Barclays, and then you talk about the other players who are going to have to step up, right? I mean, Nick Claxton got some good minutes. In this series, is that the kind of warm up that that he needs to to be ready to to you know they're going to need length, they're going to need size and, and energy against 
Giannis inside. Yeah, I'm hoping that Jeff Green comes back sooner rather than later in this series. We don't know how long he's going to be out with his injury. And, you know, it, maybe you're going to have to use DeAndre Jordan. You know, he hasn't played in a while, but I mean, he may see some minutes if Claxton isn't getting it done. Brooke Lopez is a big guy, and he's going to be getting in there, getting offensive rebounds. The Nets struggle with interior defense around the basket, and Giannis is going to be attacking downhill, right? And you have Brooke Lopez going to get in there and mix it up from time to time. It's going to be a chess match to see how they're going to use these players. Do we go small and force the Bucks to go small? So it's going to be interesting to see how Nash and staff play their guys this, this round. You know, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities, though, that the, the Nets go on a firing spree, you know, by Danny Ainge and then by Mike Budenholzer after this series because – as much as you're worried about Milwaukee, and rightfully so, look like a great team. The, the you know addition of Holiday has changed them from last year. They they will be without Dante DiVincenzo, which is a blow for them in their defensive versatility a little bit. But they didn't see anything like the Nets in the first round either. You know, I, we're, we're sort of hypnotized by what the Miami Heat did in the bubble last year, but that was not that team. That was not a team that could score at anywhere even approaching the level of, of what the, the Nets do. And, and sometimes you see what like Brooklyn did at the end of the, the fourth quarter, or not the end, but during the fourth quarter of game five, and you go, oh, yeah, because they have that ability where I just don't know if there's anything you can do. As good as Milwaukee is, if they're clicking like that, I, I don't know if it matters to the opponent. No, they're clicking like that. You're right. You know, they have to build that confidence. And and the confidence comes and goes sometimes. We saw it in, in game one, right? The first quarter, game one, you're like, who is this team? They're out there, turn the ball over, couldn't score a basket, scored like 16 points, right? And then they have 40-point quarters you know, or, or plus. And it's like, well, yeah, that's the team that we want to see all the time. So uh, you're right. When the Nets, is, Nets are clicking on all cylinders, it's really tough. I mean, you put Harris out there with the big three, and then after that, you throw in who? You throw in Brown, you throw in Claxton, you know, you know, if – Hopefully Blake is playing better and Blake is out there giving him some physicality. That's a tough five, man. I mean, it's so hard to guard those guys. They're going to pick on the weakest link. And when Katie's making shots, I mean, like you said before, she just hope he misses. And D. Vincenzo being out, guys, is huge for the Nets. That's a big advantage. And, you know, the Bucs haven't seen the full Nets yet this year. While the the Bucs won two of three, the first game without was without Kyrie and the last two were without Harden. So this is the first time we get to see full force the Nets and Bucks, And I think that's why a lot of people are excited because regular season doesn't do much you saw it in the Knicks Hawks series the Knicks dominated the Hawks in the regular season while the Hawks are dominating the Knicks in the playoffs so the playoffs and the second round as you can attest to Kerry who's had a lot of tight second round series you guys played the Celtics I believe the second round a few times the Pistons Pacers you had some hard-nosed second round semifinals battles and this is where the real battle goes down to get to the Eastern Conference it's gonna be a tough matchup I'm telling you now it's gonna go I have it going seven I really do I I think the Bucks are really aligned to get the Nets problems because they can score as well. I mean, they're like right top two or three in the league in scoring. And so we're looking at two of the best offensive teams go at it. Superstars. You know, we got all-star players on both sides, multiple all-star players. You know, we got Hall of Fame players, right? <laughs> and so it's going to be interesting to see because the, they are really designed to compete against a juggernaut team like the Nets. And uh, it's going to be fascinating. I'm really excited to watch it play out. Giannis is going to have his work cut out for him because, you know, they're going to make him try to shoot jumpers. 
and play from the perimeter, which he does not like to do. And Harden's going to put pressure on them and, 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 you know, get into the the paint, get into the teeth of the defense. And I liked his comments after the game because he clearly has some confidence. You know, they asked him about whether they're ready for Milwaukee and he was like, we'll see. You know, like it was very coyly, like, yeah, we'll see. And, and Kyrie after the game, what did he say? We're, we're uniting the world with this championship run. So I hope everybody is with us. We're uniting the world with this run. Stick with us, baby. You can always get an interesting quote, let's say the least from Kyrie, right? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> he's definitely a quote waiting to happen whenever he does talk to the media. But yeah, I think you're right. They they found their confidence this this series. And that's what we wanted to see, right? Because they hadn't had a lot of time on the court together. We were like, okay, let's see some cohesion here. And now you see it, right? They're finding out when they're, who to play at the right time. Harden comes in with that second lineup, finds his rhythm offensively, you know, makes those other guys better. Then you bring in the big two, you know, scorers where they're really going to attack you. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, you know, look at the big three with Miami. He had it with LeBron, Wade, and Bosch. They, they were they were really good, you know. But LeBron was a facilitator. It was kind of like how Harden plays. But the other two guys, although they were really good scorers, they're not like Kyrie and KD. They're on a different level putting the ball in the basket. And Harden, the first net besides Jason Kidd to have a triple-double in the playoffs, and the first net with 30 points in a game in a triple-double, which is incredible. And you saw the fun he was having out there. I mean, he was taking any defender he had at school with that 25-in-a-row crossover thing he does where, <laughs> where he <laughs> ends up – And eventually he gets by them in some capacity, puts up a floater or finds an open Nick Claxon for a dunk. So I think we're going to see a lot of that in round two. And you know, it dazzles the crowd. Clyde Frazier likes to say oohs and ahs from the crowd. There'll be some oohs and ahs in Brooklyn this week. Yeah, I mean, it, it is the kind of thing that can just win you over. Even if you're like one of these people who's hating, hate watching them and, and hate watching them to see them lose. Like there's certain things they do out there that your your booze turn to ooh. <laughs> like, he has some of those ooh. moments when you watch the Ad One mixtape tour where they would throw the ball up and quit the game. They would literally just stop the basketball game. Harden has some of those. Too good. He's, I'll tell you this though. They, they can score. The Nets can score with the and it's exciting. It's fun to watch. I mean, they, they the tough shots, the passes, all that is great. But if they don't go on the other end of the court, I'm telling you. The Bucks are going to be right there with them. They have to shut down those other role players. Giannis is going to score his 30 points. You can't stop Giannis because he goes downhill so much and he attacks so long. Okay, fine. But how you guard Middleton, how you guard Holiday, how you contest Lopez, those putbacks around the basket, they're going to have to get be a, a gritty team on the defensive end of the court, or I'm telling you, it's going to be a, a really, really long series. Yeah, no question. Uh, look, that's where I think, you know, I, I worry about the, the loss of Jeff Green and, and hope he gets back, like you're saying, because of what he can do for that defensive versatility as well. You know, Bruce Brown was in some of the closing lineups. He may have been their most effective center. It's why I was happy to see Claxton get the minutes he got. But it's, it's a challenge. Uh, the Bucks are a challenge. So let's get the, the predictions on the record right now. Kerry, you're going... Nets in seven. Nets in seven. Yep. Brooke Lopez returns to Brooklyn. Last time with over the hill veterans who the Nets traded the whole team for. Now he's back against the big three. Three future Hall of Famers in the prime of their careers. Which means Brooke Lopez will witness Nets in seven. Ooh, I got to mix it up, right? I can't go with the exact same. There's a part of me. You know, that is really concerned. You know, and you concerned with the Nets? No. What is this? Well, the matchup against the Bucks and Jeff Green specifically. But then I just see that the talent level that they have. And there's a part of me that says go Nets in five, at five cl- close competitive games. Because there are a lot of, I've seen a lot of close five game series in my life. You, you hear the, the term five and you think it's just a blowout. But because of the, the injury status I just mentioned, I'll go Nets in six to, to mix it up just a little bit. 
All right. I think me and Carrie want them to win on the home floor. Carrie wants to high-five Lindsey Vaughn courtside on Game 7 <laughs> before they go to the next round. What celebrity will Carrie be next to in this series? We got They got to, you know, the Nets are minus 190 favorites to win the series. What are the Borgata spreads for Carrie's uh, celebrity courtside mate? Steve Madden is usually an option. I think he's at a lot of the Nets games. Maybe uh, Travis Scott is next to Carrie next game. I wonder who. Yeah. Uh, Robin. I'll be there game one, Carrie. Uh, so I don't know if I count. Can I sit next to you? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Work that out. Maybe Jay Z will show up. Yo, Jay Z, Terry, and Robin Lundberg courtside. Name a more iconic trio. I'll wait. Hey, hey dinner with Jay Z. They get you know you get the choice. Isn't that the internet meme? Fifty grand or dinner with Jay Z? They still call it forty forty upstairs. So you know we can go up there and hang out. Hopefully it's forty 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 between uh, Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. But it will be a hell of a series, and I think it, it may be the real NBA Finals the Brooklyn Nets against the Milwaukee Bucks. We'll have reaction to the first two games of the series in the next episode, but we're not done here yet. We've got Mr. Whammy coming up next. We're joined now by legendary Nets super fan, Bruce Resnick, also known as Mr. Whammy. And Mr. Whammy, I will address you formally here today. What was it like being back in the Barclays Center? I believe that was your first game since the pandemic. Big victory. Big victory. They reversed the charges as far as the way the plays were set up. Normally, the opposition team comes at me in the first half. And as long as that goes, it goes, takes place, I score points. In the, in the first half last night, they put them the other direction. And I went zero in the first half. But when they came to me in the second half, I got five points. Five minutes. And I was, haven't been to a game in a year and two months. But I didn't miss a single game on TV in the last year and two months. Mr. Whammy, it's just Kerry Kittles here. I'm just, I have a question for you. I mean, tell us about that experience, becoming a fan of the Nets, following this NBA team, right? From You're coming from Brooklyn, you're going to New Jersey, you're watching this exciting team play, and, you know, all of a sudden you find yourself, you know, front and center, right? But underneath the basket, you see the oppo- opposing team shooting free throws, and you're saying, hey, I can distract these guys, and you, you have some success doing it. And then it led to you really embracing this part of your, of your experience as a fan, and, and wow, everyone gets a chance to enjoy it. I'm the proudest man in America. The fans took to my wife and me. We started out. With you in New Jersey, when you were the uh, wide receiver for Jason Kidd, and uh, you were you were a football player in basketball clothes. You were the fastest guy in the league, and Kidd used to throw down touchdown passes there. And I would jump up and down on my seat. I sat originally in the eighth row, and they finally, after several years, I moved down to the first row. When they came to Brooklyn, they gave me equal opportunity, and I sat in the first row also. And I loved my Nets 25 years ago. I love my Nets today. How exciting is it to get to talk to Kerry Kittles, Mr. Whammy? Oh, it's it's a thrill. It's a thrill. It's an absolute thrill to talk. To, to be in his presence when I said a little bit of game about a year or two ago when he brought his family with him. It's a thrill to know and have witnessed such great ball players. A thrill. When did the Mr. Whammy name and character begin, I should say? It's a great story. I used to wear a red shirt and uh sports announcer the name just escaped me now but he was out of st john's and he's a sports announcer right now and he said uh you red shirt mark jackson he was sitting uh, where kerry kittles used to sit 
and with a microphone before the game. And he said, you red shirt. I said, that's me. And uh, he didn't say another word. And we walked away. And my daughter said to me, you know what that was? I said, no. I can't believe you. She started screaming. And she said, that's Mark Jackson. I went over and I apologized for not recognizing it. And then I stayed Mr. Red Shirt for quite some time. And then one day, I and Eagle, when the kid was traded, and uh, I wouldn't give any whammy to any form of net when they came to play. And he yelled on the, over national television, hey, look at that. Mr. Whammy won't give the whammy to Jason Kidd. How, how about that? How about that? And that's how the name, on national TV, that's where the name came from. I was at Red Shirt up until then. Now, you, you've seen some great players over the years, obviously, Jason Kidd, obviously, Kerry oh Kittles. Oh, uh, oh my go, God. You want to go on about Jason Kidd? It sounded like you wanted to go on about Jason Kidd. I was going to ask you a, a question, but if you want to um, you know, wax poetic about Jason Kidd, go right ahead. Jason Kidd, he was just incredible. I have a picture where he was trapped by the basket in, in a game, and he was surrounded. He had nowhere to go. He shot the basketball over his head without looking at the basket and went swish. I got a picture of that. Un- unbelievable. The man was a five-star general. Nobody liked him. Nobody liked And he was kind enough to invite my wife and me to the Hall of Fame when he was inducted. And that was a, another great thrill, big thrill. I imagine. And now you're you're watching three future Hall of Famers w- with James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. H- having seen as many games as you've seen, as many great players as you've seen, what's it like to have those guys as members of the Brooklyn Nets? It's really incredible. I mean, they, they, they're just fantastic. I think... In the last few minutes of the game last night, they hit the totally, they, I think they hit five three-pointed swish <laughs> last night when they had a decent lead. And it, they're just, they're great ball players. They're just great, great ball players. And, uh, you know, I don't want to set one up against the other, but but uh, you got to give a little extra credit to the uh, leader. Uh, the beard the beard moves the ball better than anybody ever seen except maybe Jason Kidd. He, I think Jason Kidd is slightly different as far as rating. You can't beat the beard. He's just kid. He's, he's admirable. He's, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah, you can't, be, you can't beat the beard, Kerry. Does, does this team remind you of Kerry's teams? You were watching his finals teams, and the Nets haven't been back to the finals since. Do, does it uh, bring you down memory I'll lane? I'll tell you the final. Wait, 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 wait. I'll tell you the final. The first one was in San Antonio, and I watched that on TV, and we, we, we lost 4-1. to one. But the one game we lost, as soon as we won it, by I think one point, you got to see how fast Kid went off that floor. He flew off that floor. And got, he was afraid that they might call back the shot. He was flying. And then I'm, I'm an attorney, by the way. And in the courtroom where I hang out at the time we, we played the Lakers, I put posters all over. Nets and four. I was right, but it was them and four, not us. <laughs> So do you think this team is a championship Nets team this year? I mean, you, you've been watching these guys. You said it well, from home. In, in Jewish, it's called the Kanara. And other, and other people call it evil eye. I don't want to say anything about who's going to win the championship because I don't want to give them an evil eye or a Kanara. But I'm, listen, I pray, I pray they win the game. I, I'll be there at every game, and I'll do the whammy as strong as I can to help them. Any way I can help this team, it's my pleasure. You say you're a lawyer, Mr. Whammy. Do you do the whammy in the courtroom? Do you do you have those signs that you you know I've seen you and your wife no, hold up? No, but yeah. I try not to do it in the courtroom, but a couple of times, a couple of judges, I'm not gonna tell you who they are, what court it was, or where it was. They said, Mr. Whammy, approach the bench. So that tells you that tells you they're watching they're watching games. <laughs> Taking the basketball fandom to the courtroom. We love it. We love it. And you've been a lawyer now 50 years, you told me? uh, No, 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 no. In April of 2022, 
I will be admitted to the uh, New York bar for 60 years wow. and already admitted to the Florida bar for 63 years. And I love every minute. I'm still practicing. I love my clients and they love me as well as they love Mr. Whammy. What do you love more, lawyering or, or the Nets? I spend more time lawyering, thank God. And I have three children. They're all lawyers, top lawyers in their field. And my wife is our, our office manager. The, the kids are not with my sons with me. Very good trial attorney. The girls are on their own. What is your favorite all-time Nets memory, Mr. Whammy? Oh, that's so good. You know, I, there's so many memories, so many memories. When we won a playoff game, I do have a recollection of the fans picking my wife and me up, uh, moving us around the stadium. I have that recollection, and I think that was kind of exciting. But there's so, so many wonderful, wonderful, exciting instances with the Nets. The Nets have been to me like parents. They, they just have been wonderful right through the years, just wonderful. And I love them. I love them. And I want you to know something, and please forgive me what I'm saying. But as a kid, I grew up as a Knicks fan. I saw Max Kozlowski play. Not many people remember who Max Kozlowski was. But he was one of the few guys that ever shot fouls underhand for the Knicks. And, and I remember all the Knicks, Bradley, the Busher. I, I was still a fan there. And later on, I became the Nets fan. And, and the best move I ever made in my life. And as an aside, I'm probably the only one you'll ever speak to who saw Jackie Robinson play in person. I was a big Brooklyn Dodgers fan to this day. I have recollections of it. I represented the Gil Hodges family for quite some years. He invited me, and I have 16 seats of the Brooklyn Cyclones because it's Brooklyn baseball. And Jody Hodges invited me to an old-timers meeting. And I met my idol, Erskine, Padre, Newcomb, Branker, who told me that they stole the, they stole the sign and that Thompson home run was a little bit of a cheat. And, and I, I thought I died and went to heaven meeting all these players. It was just momentous, momentous. Guys, we're talking to Brooklyn royalty here in Mr. Exactly. Wyoming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, born and bred. Born and bred in Brooklyn. I spent seven years in Florida at Miami Beach. I, you'll, you're talking to one of the few people probably who ever need to graduate at Miami Beach Senior High School. And then I went four years to uh, University of Miami, graduated Magna Cum Laude. And I went to work School University of Miami, graduated Cum Laude. And then I got a fellowship at NYU for my master of law. I lived a wonderful, thank God, a wonderful life. And there's been nothing in my life that matches the uh, Mr. Wyoming and Mrs. Wyoming. And it's just mind-boggling that, that I'm, I'm not just an average guy like everybody else, that the fans made worldwide celebrity. It's bewildering and lovable at the same time. To that point, Mr. Wyoming, obviously your connection with the Nets fans means a lot to you. What's your reaction when Nets fans get criticized as, as a weaker fan base? Oh, I never hear Nets fans get criticized. If I hear it, it was, I would repress it from my mind. <laughs> There's no such thing as criti criticizing my Nets fans. No such thing. Man, what what a, what a humble guy you are. I, I'm sure the players, the current players, are, are excited now that they have all these fans back in the arena. And, of course, to have you there on their behalf to distract opposing team. Look forward to seeing you against the Bucks in round two in the Barclays Center rooting on for the Nets. Thanks for coming well, on I'll our be, show we'll today. Be there. We'll be there Saturday night. You can be sure of that. Yeah, Kerry, if there's room next to uh, Lindsey Vaughn, maybe we'll come down there and say <laughs> hi to Mr. Whammy. Oh, I, oh, I'd love to have you down. I would love to have you down. I, I, you know, I feel like you use the word humble. It's such a very good expression. 
I'm basically not a humble guy except when it comes to the adoration we're getting. It, it humbles any, anybody. The adoration we humbles any person that gets that kind of treatment. You can't help but be humble. These fans, they scream. Last night, they were deafening and, and showed you the people at the arena, the people that work at the arena, they came running over to us. They would, they try to hug us, you know, with 10 times, you can't do that. They, <laughs> they were so happy to see you, to see in their smiles and their faces. And, you know, and we love them. We love them like they love us and we love our fans. We could walk a, across Atlantic Avenue without getting pictures. We must have took, took 100 pictures with him. See, he's more and popular than me, Jake. Every game. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely not going to go to the concourse game, during halftime. And we're so grateful. We're just so grateful to the fans and to the net and the administration. My, my favorite thing is the, the new owner. The old owner was terrific also. I love him. And the new owner, he had not met him. I had met his wife earlier that, that game before. And I'm walking around. He must have seen me. The gentleman, Joe, gentleman Joe, like, jumped over chairs to shake hands with me. Who the hell am I? I'm nobody. I'm a nobody. No, no, you're important. I think you're underestimating the, your, <laughs> your, your, your fan. You know, you are definitely an important part of the Nets franchise right now and what they have going on. So I'm not surprised to see the owner come over and, and, and shake your hand. Jumped over, come over. Jumped over chairs? Jumped over chairs. <laughs> I thought he was going to get caught up and get killed. But he's a good jumper. Let me tell you, the guy can go into the Olympics. you got to see the way he went over those chairs. <laughs> He was terrific. He was terrific. He shook hands. It was just a pleasure. Just wonderful. And the radio and the radio announcers are great with us. And I make signs. By the way, I make signs for every game. Every game I make signs. Last night we had three signs. And one day I'll make a collection of my signs. It's just a wonderful. It's got to come from upstairs. The blessing that I'm getting has to come right from upstairs. And I want the last thing I'm going to say, unless you got more for me, I could talk all day. I'm a lawyer. Okay. The last thing. I never watched TV games because I always felt like imaging. But due to the pandemic, I watched 67 games from beginning to end, starting in, I think we started, I think my last game was in March, February, February. And I scored, all right, 310 misses on television (laughs) in 67. I swear to you. I'm not making up a story. I swear to you, 300. I kept the record of every single game. 310 missed foul shots in 67 games. And every time I, my points exceeded the score, I called uh, our TV announcer, Ian Eagle, and I gave him the score. And he's wonderful, too. He's the guy that gave me the name. He's wonderful. Awesome. So you will do it from home. So you'll be at home watching the game, and, you, and you'll put the fingers up and the distractions. Well, see, at home, uh, he gets know, a chance do, to do, do both baskets. Thing. I do the same thing at home in bed, watching the game, as I do in the stadium, except I wear clothes in the stadium. But the same thing is, and by the way, it's no more, at the very beginning, I only did the whammy on foul shots. Now, every single game, for God knows how many years, I whammy every shot they take. Every shot. I, the hands never stop moving from beginning of the game to the end of the game. Mr. Whammy, we really appreciate the work you do for the Nets, and we appreciate you coming on to discuss it with us here today. Uh, great, great to see you back in the building. Listen, I'm a little bit ashamed because I didn't get a chance to let any of you guys speak. No, it's fine. You're the guest. I can't help it. I can't help it. It's a lawyer in me. <laughs> You're the guest. Listen, if, if they win this year, guys, this is going to come full circle. Mr. Whammy saw the shot heard around the world in Brooklyn. The Brooklyn Dodge, if the so? Nets win a championship, this is like your life is just complete, Mr. Whammy. Absolutely right. You're out. 
absolutely right. Words, you said it just like my life would be complete. Perfect. Well, let's make it happen. We appreciate you coming on. I will do everything possible. I will be at every game, and I will do everything possible from beginning to end. And uh, can I give you one last story? It's really beautiful. Of course. May I? Let me try and think of his name. He plays in Charlotte. Kemba Walker. All right? We were in Charlotte about two, three years ago, and we're losing by some like five or seven points with like two minutes left. I saw, I'm standing, sitting in my seat. Not like I sit in in, in in Brooklyn, and I'm screaming, you're going to miss, you're going to miss, you're going to miss. We win by two. We win by two. I got five or six misses in a row. Unbelievable. So now we come to Brooklyn two weeks later, and I'm standing a half court one of my signs honoring our. And by the way, I never give a whammy to a former net, ever. But anyway, I'm sitting at half, half court, standing at half court, talking to the players, and who comes running to me? Kemba Walker. And he says, quote, don't you move from that spot. Don't you dig behind that basket. You stay right there. And we beat him. And we beat him. Validation. And you can't make, and let me tell you, you can't make these stories up. You just can't make these up. Mr. Whammy, thank you so much. Uh, appreciate your time today. And, and good luck to your Brooklyn Nets as they move forward. And good luck to you guys. And Kerry, thank a pleasure, see, pleasure speaking to you, Kerry. Hope Same to see here. You Same here. Looking forward to seeing you. Yes, I will be there. We'll see you there. Be there. They don't let us walk around. They don't let us walk around, but I'll see your face. I'll scream, Kerry. The next stop is Barclays Center. Flatbush Avenue. That does it for episode 24, the Richard Jefferson edition. We're still trying to get RJ on the show. A full court on Flatbush, our Brooklyn Nets podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Go into Apple Podcasts right now, please. Give us a five-star rating. Write a nice review. We appreciate it. For Kerry Kittles, I'm Robin Lundberg. We return next week after games one and two of Nets Bucks in Brooklyn. Enjoy the action, and thanks for listening. Let's go Nets.